One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to Owning It, the anxiety podcast with me, Caroline Foran. We are now in season four. I cannot believe that I'm still going, but here we are. My guest for this episode is an incredibly successful yet delightfully humble woman, Ella Mills. Now you'll probably know her better as Deliciously Ella. You've probably bought her plant-based snacks in the supermarket maybe you've used her cookbooks. Ella has had an incredible career so far and it all started as she was recovering from an incredibly debilitating illness. And after years of trying to figure out not just what was wrong, but how to get herself better, she turned her attention towards plant-based eating among many other lifestyle changes. People immediately took note and her deliciously Ella brand took off. However, despite getting physically better and having all of this success upon her, it was around this same time, after having just gotten herself to a point of relative stability and then being catapulted to to fame and being in the media and being well known, that she began to experience very crippling anxiety. Here she shares her story and I cannot thank her enough for her openness and her willingness to be vulnerable, which you know by now if you've been listening to me this whole time is what I see as really our superpower. And I really hope you enjoy this chat. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, Ella, thank you so, so much for, for joining me and for making the time. I know you are so incredibly busy. Running. Oh, don't be silly. It's such a pleasure. I'm sorry <laughs> to reschedule it a few times. Oh, no, so don't be silly. To do it. It's fine. And I'm so happy we could make it work. And I know that you've you've got so much on and you've got your new baby on the way. You've got Sky to look after as well. There's there's, there's so much happening. And obviously, I have to say congratulations on the new book, Quick and Easy. Thank you. What, how many books is this now? This is book number... This is lucky number five, which is wow. quite extraordinary. Oh my God. I'm so excited to um, to get hold of it myself, especially because during my pregnancy, I've been eating with the palate of like a child and just, I haven't been able to get like really nutritious food into me, which I know is so important. I just haven't been able to stomach it. I've been so sick. So to get like nice, healthy recipes that are quick and easy, as the title suggests, will be such a pleasure after he comes along. But to go back, obviously we're here to talk about anxiety, which is the nature of this podcast, but to go back to the beginning of your story, um, it was dealing with an illness in particular that put you on this path towards plant-based eating. Is that right? 
Yeah, it is. First of all, do not worry, we will get you a copy of Quick and Easy um, <laughs> out there. Um, and I know the feeling about your taste buds changing. But yes, um, in answer to the big question, that is what got me started um, back in 2000 and beginning of 2012. So what feels like forever ago now, eight and a half years. Yeah. And you were, what, 21 or two at the time? I, do you know what, my maths is just so bad, it's unbelievable, I'm 29 now, so yeah, exactly. I actually think I saw you post, happy birthday by the way, you posted your birthday's the day after mine, are you, are you the 31st of May? I am. I, I'm 30th of May, yeah, so I just turned 32, and so you turned, you, you've accomplished an awful lot for 29, oh my god, but to be, uh, whatever, 20, 21, like my maths is not great either, that's a very hard age to go through an illness that's going to isolate you and make you feel I guess separate to your peers and those around you who are wanting to go and travel the world and you know wanting to have all these experiences of independence and you're just trying to get through each day that must have been incredibly hard. Yeah it was a very um, surreal time I think at the kind of most difficult points and the kind of darkest points I almost didn't really know that Um, Mm. it was such a kind of I think I was so consumed in exhaustion um, that I almost didn't really have time to reflect. And I find it really interesting now looking back at it and, you know, spending like there was one um, 10 day period that I spent the whole 10 days in hospital overnight, every night while they tried to figure out what was wrong. And I literally had like, I swallowed cameras, I had MRIs, I had ultrasounds, like you name it, I had it. And they were literally looking at like every single part of my body, trying to understand what was making me so sick. And, you know, I like, I was just so, I had the chronic fatigue had got so bad. I was literally just so exhausted that I was asleep so much of the time. And I'd wake up to like little post-it notes, which obviously weren't for me, but saying like nil by mouth. So, you know, I couldn't have any water or anything. And in retrospect, I feel like I should have been really kind of panicked and concerned and like. You just didn't have the energy. No, I just didn't have the me- like the mental or physical energy almost to kind of almost like be engaged in what was happening to some extent. I was quite kind of accepting of it. Yeah. And it wasn't really until a little while after when I knew what was wrong and we were trying to fix it that it started to dawn on me kind of where I was and that started to feel a little scarier. Mm. and a little scarier and a little scarier and what did you find out was the problem you eventually put your finger on it they eventually like solved the the riddle for you yeah I mean I was quite lucky actually because I mean other people with this can take years and years to discover what it is because it's such a bizarre illness that manifests itself in such so many different ways but it's called postural tachycardia syndrome um Mm. And um, it creates, it's a, like a malfunctioning of your auto, autonomic nervous system. So it impacts your heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, um, wow. and so on and so forth. And it, it really kind of impacted really kind of every part of the way that I was functioning. And, um, but yeah, kind of, I was so, so out of it that I almost didn't really know what was happening. And it wasn't until I started to get a little bit better. And normal life felt kind of slightly within my reach, except for it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Then I started to to struggle 
with it more and more. Yeah, I suppose then as soon as you had kind of addressed the physical symptoms, which were so all consuming, then the emotional side of it could rush in to, to fill the space and make you have time to think about it and reflect on it. And, and I suppose as well, because am I right in saying it was quite a while, you know, you had, you knew what you were dealing with, but trying to figure out how to make yourself feel better was another journey then. Yeah. Yeah. That took, that took me time and it took time to realize that certain medications really weren't working and other ones were causing side effects that were creating more problems in themselves. And so it took me a while to kind of start to get on a path that, that has really helped. And then that in itself, like, honestly, it's took like four, five years, I'd say, to stabilize. And like, what, you know, it's still a kind of work in progress. And it, it's like, I feel very stable now, but it's something I have to be conscious of on a kind of, you know, no longer like a minute to minute basis, but definitely like a week to week basis just to kind of maintain that, that stability so that things don't come back. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a slow, it was a slow burn, definitely. Mm. And I think, um, that was again, like a very good life lesson and a kind of interesting challenge just to, to kind of get my head around, um, kind of, I guess like, you know, it's one of my biggest lessons in life is that as human beings, I think we, we do always have the ability to put one foot in front of the other, but it, it can feel so incredibly difficult to do that at times and just kind of plodding plodding along when you feel like nothing's working absolutely and even in terms of like physical anxiety one of the biggest symptoms that people experience is uh fluctuating heart rate and I was reading about your your heart rate could go very high and it could go very low and and that could be symptomatic of the the condition but did you did you find yourself getting fearful about the the prospect of your heart rate jumping around like that do you know what? It's so funny because again, like at the worst, no. Yeah. But then to me, it's really interesting. At the time when I was most ill, I didn't suffer so much. I mean, I think I suffered quite badly from much more kind of depression yeah. and a complete kind of apathy and mm-hmm. um, a checking out and a not caring and uh, just sort of, yeah, not really bothered one way or the other about almost anything. And then as I started to get better, that that started to fade. And it wasn't it wasn't until I was sort of, yeah, starting to get better and my life was starting to kind of take shape again and, and Delicious Yellow was starting to build momentum that I actually started to struggle with the mental impact of those few years. And I think it dawned on me that my self-esteem had got so low because I'd seen myself as so useless in comparison to people around me um Mm. you know of of, of a sense of everyone else succeeding and I don't necessarily mean succeeding just in the sense of like you know their degrees um because we were at uni at the start of it or you know the jobs they were getting but just succeeding in like going to a party with each other and like living yeah, exactly. Just those like little things. And like, and I started to feel such a, I felt like I had become so incredibly boring um, mm. because I hadn't done anything. Yeah. So long. Yeah. And it, yeah, I've really, I've actually still have struggled to kind of remove that, that view of myself from myself. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I started, yeah, to have, 
I just I just didn't see myself in a, in a positive light really at all mm. and I yeah found it so hard to believe that anybody else could ever see that and then delicious yellow kind of started to take off so quickly just as my health started to stabilize and I I don't think I'd really reconciled kind of everything that had happened and processed everything and kind of got myself back onto a more positive mental track yeah and as and then kind of overnight delicious yellow went from a kind of online you know community which had been such a positive thing to something that existed you know in the mainstream media and suddenly the book came out and it was not supposed to be a success really I don't think anyone Mm. myself nor the publishers really thought it would be and then suddenly it was number one on the whole of Amazon and you know invited onto this radio show and this tv show and you're you know being talked about in the newspapers and I was still so so young um Mm. this is now 2015 and I just I've never you know so so ironic because I was suddenly given so much opportunity which I should be so grateful for but I found myself completely crippled with anxiety and in a way that I had never experienced before and I felt so scared of other people's opinions and that vulnerability of kind of existing you know of people talking about you rather than to you and it um I found it like I found it kind of almost terrifying to leave the house um and really 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 struggled um with it at that point which it was it was in it's still find it interesting that it was then when suddenly life had taken this amazing corner and I'd met Matt who's my now husband and I suddenly had this kind of really exciting career possibility and yet I was just hit like a ton of bricks with this like quite crippling anxiety for a couple of months where I really felt yeah I felt really scared to literally just leave the house yeah I mean I completely understand because you you went from trying to survive each day um and then you you're you're starting to put one foot in front of the other then you start documenting what you're doing what's working for you the foods that you're eating and people obviously start relating to that because it's you know it's real and it's authentic and then it takes off and suddenly you're expected to go from surviving each day and getting through to completely thriving so you leapfrogged you know massively from a, a point of of just I guess there's a, there's a quote that I have used in my books um, and it's, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he says in life, we go from survival to stability, stability to success and success to significance. And you kind of went, same with me. I mean, in my first book, when my anxiety was really bad, I was just trying to get from survival to stability. And then just as you were getting to stability, you get this success planted upon you, which is amazing in so many ways, but you don't have time to process it. And success I think can even outside of the context of you having been in a very vulnerable position trying to put yourself back together it can be very anxiety inducing even if it's all good even if it's all positive because suddenly you're on this much much bigger platform you're dealing with all these different opinions and and you're still trying to figure out how how you fit into how your day should be everything like it's it's an awful lot to have it's an awfully huge transition to have gone through yeah, it was a really, it's a really interesting way of putting it. And I think it's ex- exactly right. And then almost I had a real sense of guilt that I should be so grateful for everything rather yeah. than finding it kind of petrifying. Did you ever think that because it was so anxiety inducing to have this very public career that did you, did you think about packing it in and think, you know, what, I don't want this life where everyone, because even, you know, following you on Instagram and, and watching you post things, 
when you're at that level of that many, I mean, you've got over a million followers, you're going to get so many comments. And I, I would, I think I would need training in how to separate myself from the opinions and the comments from other people who maybe they mean well, but to not take that in and internalize that. Did you ever just think, do you know what? I'm not the kind of person that can handle this. Yeah. I've thought it a few times. Maybe I think there's four times that I've not flippantly thought it like I've actually yeah. really considered it and I've really wondered if it's if it's what I want to do with my career because you know you don't want to yeah there's but then at the same time I guess for me I come back to why I do what I do and that's always the anchor you know for me like changing the way that I lived completely changed my life and I've seen that with readers that it really can have such a dramatic impact on them and if I can support anybody in that then that to me is like the biggest privilege and what else could I be doing with my life that that would feel more beneficial from that and so I kind of come back to the I guess to the to the greater good to that extent I mean even just like on a basic level only I'm not sure what it what the stats are in Ireland, but like in the UK, it's only one in four adults, one in five kids pretty much on the nose gets their five a day. And, you know, we know we're really meant to look at more than that. And so, you know, there's a lot of work to be done in just trying to get people to be a bit more interested in eating a little bit better. And we know the science behind why that matters. And if I can help anyone fall a bit more in love with broccoli, then I think for me, I've realized it is worth it, but there are completely those, there are those weeks and those days where you wonder if it is worth it. And I think the thing that was the most interesting to me, and I think I've just probably now like slightly reconciled myself with it is the fact that I think, you know, especially when Dershizella really took off at the beginning of 2015, like I was still so young and, you know, I was 23 at the start of that year, turning 24. And you know, I I was just learning. I was like this really enthusiastic student who had discovered this whole new way of living. You know, there was the, the plant-based eating, but also just a more natural way of living and yoga and mindfulness and, and just, you know, cooking and, and trying to, you know, actually sleep and remove kind of sort of more toxic things from our lifestyles. And, you know, I, I was just learning and I was so interested in everything I was learning and I was so excited about it and I wanted to share it. But by no means did I see myself like, I mean, I, no one's ever an expert in anything. You can learn for a hundred years and you're still not an expert. But I really was so early on in my learning and I was so early on in my experience in this space. And I think that for me was probably is you know it's that ultimate kind of imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. actually in many ways I think it was probably actually very valid to feel like an imposter because suddenly people are kind of heralding you as the expert as ushering in this like new way of eating and you know it never gone mainstream like this before this was way before vegan food was mainstream way before you could get you know vegan food and prep in every high street and so you know there was this kind of this sense that I was doing something that I never intended to do and that I really didn't see myself as doing. And I certainly would have been the first person to say that I was not an expert in. And I think that was the, I think that was what I struggled with the most was being seen as something that I wasn't. And I almost felt so petrified, I guess, of being like caught out, even though I wasn't trying to pretend that I was, I was very open about the fact that this was a personal journey and this was a personal 
exploration. Yeah, um, and you're just sharing what worked for you. Exactly. But nonetheless, it was, uh, and I think, you know, by this point, I've, I've kind of reconciled my fact self to the fact that like that's, you know, people will see you as they see you and, and lots of people will feel like they're learning with you. And, and that's one of the things I enjoy the most about doing our podcast. And, and that's a great thing. And there are now so many ways to tap into all kinds of amazing experts yeah. like podcasts and things like that. And this whole industry has come to the forefront so much more. And, and that's a brilliant thing. But yeah, I completely relate because when my books came out and the, my first book, when it came out over here, it was like 16 weeks at number one. And I guess just for, for headlines, um, it's convenient to say, oh, you know, anxiety expert or anxiety guru or something that was said. And I was like, hold on a minute. Like, I have, I'm not a doctor. You know, I have my regular degree and my master's. It's not nothing to do with, with like advising people on anything medical. Um, I was the same as you, just sharing my experience. And I found that I had this kind of new wave of anxiety in that I felt that when people were pitch, pitching me as someone who had it all figured out, um, even though, you know, I was just sharing I, and I've always said, look, I don't, it's never about curing it. It's about managing it. And I say, my book is called I'm Owning It. And the podcast is called Owning It. And I'm making it work for you than against you. I still felt this pressure and this imposter syndrome where like I would go on TV or radio as the anxiety expert. And I'm like, I still experience it. Like I still will have fate wave. I call it waves of it where, you know, I feel completely debilitated by it. And it, I guess it's just a convenient thing when the media, um, which is par for the course where you get pigeonholed into being, well, that's your thing now. You're that expert. Um, but I think what's, I really appreciated um, and also learned from you through your social media is your commitment to keeping it so real and you're very willing to show your vulnerability. And I was wondering, cause I, I would be the very same with, with my social media and is it because you feel the need to be, to show the vulnerability or is it kind of a coping mechanism as much as it is to, to, to tell the world that actually, look, you're just a normal woman going through your life. Cause for me, it's as much a coping mechanism. So people don't jump on me and say, Oh, you're, you think you're the expert. Yeah. I think it's probably an interesting mix of the two because I think as you I, I'm always the first person to say like, I'm, I'm learning and, and I love learning and I'm always wanting to learn, but like, I don't hold all the answers and, you know, that none of us do. I mean, some, some more than others, but we still, you know, there's still an infinite number of things to learn. And also, especially, you know, in the world of nutrition, you know, there's so many conflicting opinions. Um, one study will show one thing, another study will show another. And so, you know, it's always about finding kind of, you know, dismantling all the information and, and really seeing what works in your life and what resonates with you and what, what feels good for you. But I think we, um, yeah, I, I think it's, and that's one of the things I guess that I feel the most strongly about is it's brilliant to take ideas and take inspiration and be inspired by the people. I think people inspire people more than anything. And I'm sure that's, you know, what people have taken so much from with you, which is that, you know, having shared experience is really powerful and like knowing mm. you're not alone in, in feeling the way that you do, you know, it's, it's such a powerful thing. And so I totally get that people therefore really gravitate towards it but as you said like this is your experience and everyone's experience is going to be different because there's so many little subtle nuances in all of our lives that shape who we are and what any given day looks like and so mm -hmm. I think it it is so important for for everyone to say like this is this is just me and I'm just exactly. a human being and and also, you know, social media is such a, you know, I'm sure it's something that, that you cover a lot because obviously it's such an interesting 
link with our mental health, you know, and I think there's pros and, and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is an interesting thing when it comes to social media of looking at people and thinking they've got it all sussed and yeah. that they've got it all working. And, and that's never the case. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I think when you would have started Deliciously Ella, I think social media at the time would have been very much about showing the curation, the highlights reel, and then we would inevitably end up comparing the highlights reel with our behind the scenes. And you only put up the best, not you personally, but one on social media, which would only put up the best bits. They they wouldn't share their vulnerability. And I, I'm obsessed with vulnerability. I think we all have this massive fear of it. And actually, when you tap into it, you realize we all have it in common. And when you're willing to embrace it, it can be our greatest strength. And I think now social media has moved on where people got so fed up of that perfection and that, um, I suppose, aspiration and and you know, on social media where people crave relatability more so. And I think now there's a lot more room, thankfully, for being a vulnerable person and showing what what is actually real. And for me, that has helped massively with my anxiety. And, in, you know, I'm not putting out... This. I think when you feel like an imposter, um, what I understand is that you feel that what you put out there to the world is at odds with how you feel yourself privately. And I think when it comes to social media, because you're in control of it, and you know, I see you talking about the challenges of motherhood, and I appreciate it so much. You gain back that control and bridge that gap between what you put out there and who you actually are. And for me, that's a massive way of managing and keeping anxiety at bay. Would you find the same? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that's like you know, for me, I I am a very like casual person. Even to, for example, like I, I mean, I'm obviously I'm pregnant at the moment, and so like, I don't know about you, but I literally only wear leggings and t-shirts, <laughs> yeah, and um cardigans, and that is it. And I'm not like I love a good face mask and things like that, but like I'm not a big makeup person. My mum never never really wore makeup, so I never really got that into it. And so for me, like it's really important to kind of present myself in that way because what I would hate is to be walking down the street and people would be like 
whoa, she does not look like how she looks on social media. Yeah. And it's things like that that I guess I realized I was quite afraid of. And I was like, no, you just gotta you just gotta be yourself and ultimately finding a way to embrace that is such a powerful thing. And actually for me personally, the the best tool I've ever found for that has been yoga. And it's been mm-hmm. a really like a life changing, genuinely life changing practice in that sense. I think it's been really really healing for kind of accepting you as you as you are today and as you are in that given moment mm-hmm. and is yoga your go-to now here if you're would you do it every day or do you have things that you turn to when you feel particularly overwhelmed say around you know coming up to the launch of a book for example I really I really notice it's so funny I think we all do it when we need it we back away from it and when we you know when it's an asset but we don't need it in our lives we are like all about it and I've noticed like over the last couple of weeks I've definitely felt a bit lost just I mean I think it's just a mix of you know lockdown life going on quite a long time and and getting kind of the start of the third trimester and feeling a bit exhausted and you know, just, just so many things. And I've basically been pregnant for like almost two years now. <laughs> yeah, oh my um, gosh. And because I had Sky, I was pregnant with Sky, and then Sky was born, and then I was breastfeeding, which to me is such a continuation of pregnancy. Yeah, and fourth trimester for sure. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it's, it's very different, but there's, there's just so many similarities to it. And it wasn't, I only had like three weeks or so where I wasn't feeding so much, and I was, um, kind of went back to work for three weeks and I like really kind of was um, back in the swing of things. And then I was pregnant again. Oh my God. And everything. And so it's just, it has, and yeah, I had three weeks basically in almost two years where I've worn like normal clothes and, um, and had a margarita, which, you know, felt good. And it's been, it's been quite a long time. And anyway, and I find myself kind of really backing away from practices that I know help things like yoga just to kind of, make yourself feel a bit more grounded and but I actually practiced this morning and I was like I literally just feel like a new person it's everyone has different you know running really helps reading really helps you know journaling really helps everyone's so different with what helps but I do think finding something that you know kind of brings you back mm-hmm. um, is, is really important because like life is going to go up and down a hundred times and you know this you know this is a pretty superficial example because obviously it's such a blessing and like I love being a mum more than anything but you know kind of actually like more challenging periods you know dealing with family things it's been just a really a really amazing amazing practice absolutely and just to go back to the the food element and and the, the thrust of your work the books everything do you think that people are still quite largely unaware of the impact that what they're eating can have on not just their physical but their mental health? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. I think I think we're starting to put it together and I think there's obviously been a really big interest recently in kind of gut health and and obviously showing that connection between the gut and the brain. I know episodes we've done on um, kind of the impact of the way we eat on mental health has been, have been really resonated and been really interesting and, and people really enjoyed them. But I think it's still, it feels like a very new science. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, you know, with all these things, I, and I definitely, and I don't know how you feel about it, but sometimes struggle. I, mean, I feel like they're such important topics to, to talk about, but sometimes, you know, there's definitely, I feel a nervousness about approaching them because 
they are obviously, you know, these are such personal issues that impact on people in such different ways, whether that's your physical health or your mental health that you're struggling with. And so I, I think it's, it's always a challenge of kind of putting forward ideas and interesting research versus trying to say like, this is the right and only way to do it. For me, when, when, when my anxiety was at its most crippling, I just, I remember I was going to see a functional um, doctor, a functional medicine doctor, and she was just talking about the volume of, of broccoli I, I had to be eating and everything. And I remember just, I wanted to just punch her in the face, to be honest, yeah. because I was like, I don't think eating this plate of broccoli is gonna make a damn bit of difference to this really severe panic attack that I'm having like every few minutes. But now I realize that there's no one thing. It's kind of like spokes on a wheel and they all come together to, to help you look after yourself. And I didn't connect the dots between, you know, well, if I was feeling poorly and, and upset, I was diving on processed foods and sugar out of comfort. And I just didn't, I didn't have time. I just, I didn't even want, I was so ignorant about the fact that there would be any, that that could be adding any fuel to the fire of the anxiety that I was feeling. Um, and even to this day, like, you know, my friends will message me and they're like, oh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Like I'm not, I feel like a real surge of anxiety. And I'll often ask them like, how many espressos have you smashed already this morning and that kind of all those stimulants and stuff and I, I still notice there's such a disconnect um but for me you know and I'm sure it's the same for you 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 made your career be about your discovery of of nutrition and, and how that made um a difference to you but it's it's one element of many other things so it's, it's the yoga it's the for me it's the cbt that i did it's the accepting that we're vulnerable it's the and um, changing your lifestyle of things that weren't working for you and but food and what we put into our bodies is one that i think we still really need to highlight um in terms of specifically like anxiety would you say yeah absolutely i think i think all these things and as you said i think it's also thinking about it all together but also thinking that there there's not a magic answer to okay. anything and I, we all wish there was um you know i know i looked for it 101 times i still do i mean who doesn't yeah. but like there isn't it's all the little things added together as you said it's like being mindful of like have you had seven coffees <laughs> i know it doesn't yeah. necessarily help a friend came over yesterday has been having quite a hard time and um and she was so jittery and she's she's working as a barista at the moment and i was like how many coffees have you had she was like i've had five and i was oh, like God. eating anything and she was like no because you have so much milk it's really full and i was like yeah it's probably not helping you know that's not the answer to her problems is like not having five you know eating something to calm the caffeine isn't going to solve everything but it's just it's just all the little things when you put them together they can actually have I think sometimes a bigger impact on the big things than than we realize yeah I mean it's, it's all pieces of a puzzle and it's looking at things like inflammation in the body which was you know for you how you calmed everything down and for, for me with anxiety I always bring it back to just hormones in the body it's, it, you know of course we think oh well I've had a fight with my partner that's not gonna it's not gonna make a difference if I if this coffee isn't giving me the anxiety but if you're stimulating that cortisol and that adrenaline in your body and then you're adding more stimulants into the mix or more and um, processed foods that keep all those things elevated you're not giving your body a chance to settle back down to a level where it can then respond to the feeling of anxiety and um, so for me that's been a huge learning and one that I didn't I didn't want to have to make but now I'm especially being pregnant I because of my I've been sick the whole way through and like I said I've been, I've just been eating really carby food and I would consider myself a pretty well good eater I'm so looking forward to when the baby comes to be able to get that nutrition back into me for 
for physical health, but as much for um, helping helping keep those stress levels nice and at, at a level that we can. It's not about getting rid of them; it's about just keeping it at a level that you can manage. Absolutely, no, I completely agree, and I think it is. It's you know, it's always easier said than done, and when you're in a difficult place, it's the last thing you want to do. But as you start to piece those things together over time, I think they can have a powerful impact. And I've been consistently so. I've so kind of been amazed by just all the little things that I've learned. You know, you start off when you think about your health, you think about, you know, the big things, what you're putting into your body in terms of like what you're eating and drinking and or what more importantly, actually what you're not eating and drinking is in like not having enough water and not actually eating like enough fiber and enough vegetables. And and so actually it's not even what you um, are eating as opposed to what you're perhaps lacking. But also just like, you know, your sleep and, and, you know, movement. And we often look so quickly at those things. But then actually I've just been constantly absolutely fascinated to learn, for example, about like the link between um, getting outside and um, our mental health. And there's just some really interesting learnings. Um, we did a really fascinating podcast with a journalist called Lucy Eden, who's written, um, oh, she's sorry, she's called Lucy... She's called Lucy. Her book's called Losing Eden. I've forgotten her surname. She's she's brilliant. And she's written, written this whole book about all this, the whole connection between nature and getting outside and our mental health. And, and that for her came on on the back of a really challenging period with her own mental health. But, you know, the smell of grass after rain, mm. like that's real. You know, that actually has chemical impacts on us. And spending time in nature then lessens the effect of walking into like a really busy road in a kind of stressful, chaotic city. And so I just think it's as you start to piece together all those things, you start to realize that actually like feeling good is such kind of accumulation so often for so many of us or so many tiny things that we do in our day every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, But trying to, more I think the more we learn the the easier it is to start to try and you know encompass some of these things and also again looking at the little things like it doesn't need to be about fully changing everything about your life tomorrow because that's probably really unrealistic and not going to help yeah but going outside you know the statistics around just like going for a walk and what that does for your cortisol levels and you know that's amazing and you know go for a walk in nature like it would it genuinely scientifically has an impact um but it's free, it's easy, it's like genuinely a plausible thing that most of us can do most days. So you've had some time now, I guess, since it's been a few years since Deliciously Ella took off and you've had so many different spin-off ventures from, from the what started as, as the blog. And I guess you've had time between that first wave of anxiety of, of realising that you're maybe you didn't feel quite ready for the success that was that was coming your way but obviously you know anxiety is still something that's going to pop up now and again how do you make sense of your anxiety when you feel it these days and how do you speak to yourself when you feel it coming over you I think for me the biggest thing has just tried to to be just increasingly aware yeah of of what we're you know of how I how I am or what I'm doing as we said I find yoga for me personally the best kind of daily check-in and therefore I trying to kind of stay on top of it I think and you know being aware of the things that trigger it for me which you know a lot of it was was caught up in work and and just trying to create a little bit more separation and and awareness of you know that it's okay that many people aren't going to agree with you or you know yeah and just yeah I think it's just trying to have a gen- generally a kind of day-to-day greater acceptance of you know life is so unknown I think 
for me, I've, I've started to appreciate that more and more in the last few years of you just never know, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. And so trying, you know, that whenever I feel kind of pretty low or like I'm really struggling, that actually, yeah, that it's, it's so important to remember that like you just have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Like you really don't you know, good or unfortunately yeah. bad. And so I think there's that's there um, so important about just trying to harness the power of the moment. And that's, I guess, been really drilled into me over the last couple of years. Like every single person I've interviewed for our podcast, whether they're a neurologist or a psychologist or a Buddhist monk, has said the key to happiness is presence. Yeah. The key to happiness is just being where you are right now and not thinking about what happened or what will happen even five minutes ago or five minutes from now because ultimately there we have no control over it and obviously like coronavirus has showed us that a hundred times over on a kind of global level um and it, I just I think I've taken so much from that and therefore kind of I guess having this kind of conversation with myself to some extent absolutely it's funny what you're describing there I have a chapter in, in my second book um where it's I talk about this as a skill that we can develop and it's called comfortable neutrality um and it's a, an amazing psychotherapist who introduced me to the idea where it's basically about being okay with the idea of things working out or not working out because we don't have a crystal ball and we'll never have that much level of control but it's about trusting yourself as opposed to trusting the outcome of something and that was just a real game changer for me in terms of navigating through life and especially in the kind of careers that both you and I lead where every day could be different um, and yeah comfortable neutrality is just I don't know it's a nice comforting idea I think. Absolutely no I completely agree. So much of what you do now involves social media and it's the same for me. Um, you did mention earlier, it is kind of a double-edged sword in that it can, it can be a problem, it can, it can stimulate anxiety, but also it's an amazing way that you've connected with so many people. You've changed people's lives via social media. You have, you know, it's an instant resource there for people who, who it's, it's just, it, it's, we can't probably do without it, but do you make a conscious effort to step away from it now and again? Oh my God, yeah. I used to be, you know, I think as our business has changed and it's grown and it's evolved, social media is really important. It's obviously a big part of the kind of community aspect of Delicious Yellow, but it no longer kind of feels, I guess, like the be all and end all to some extent. Like there's, there's lots of other parts of the business, you know, and the, the products in, in the stores are our kind of number one focus. And so I guess having that sense of lots of different things makes a big difference. And like, puts it in perspective to me that you know it's not the be all and end all but also I I used to you know feel like I had to reply to every single person and I just like would keep myself up so late at night and be the first thing I do in the morning and actually like you know I would love I really want to help but I can't personally respond to 2,000 people every day like it's just to kind of, I think I just set myself these really unrealistic targets and I'd constantly feel like I was failing if I wasn't achieving that. And I just pushed myself so hard. And I still did it after Sky was born those first few months and I was so tired. And obviously, because I've got a tiny newborn and you're learning to breastfeed and you're so, your hormones all over the shop and I was trying to go back to work and write quick and easy and get to the shoot for quick and easy. And there was a lot going on. And I was still, you know, when Sky would have a nap, people would say, well, nap, well, she naps, it really helps. And I'd be like, oh, no, I can't, I have to work. 
But when I said work, I would be replying to strangers about whether you could swap cashew nuts for like almonds in a recipe. I just had this moment after a few months where I was like, I realized that Sky was born in July and in kind of January, I realized that I had been so exhausted the last few months and I'd been so all over the shop and, and I really kind of wanted to get, you know, my health back on track and then I got pregnant again. But, um, you know, I realized that I had just done these really silly things like that. Like instead of taking a nap ever, that's what I had used my time for. And I think it just gave me a bit of perspective that I want to do the best that I can do. And I want to help as many people as I can help, but it has to be done in like a reasonable and rational way. And, you know, when you've got a three day old baby spending the hour that you could take a nap, flying oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. social media is, I would argue probably wasn't reasonable or rational. You probably need, needed to get to that point to realize, okay, this is too much. You're just one person that everyone thinks that because social media breaks down the barriers between people, you're so accessible, but you can't pour from an empty cup. And not only is that relevant from your work, helping other people, but also as a mother and, you know, with your podcast, with your books, with everything that you put, you put out there. And I feel, I mean, to a much lesser extent, I wouldn't have anywhere near the following that you have. But what you put out there is is all the resources that you have. You're not keeping back any secrets. So if you were to spend your life replying to every person, you'd have nothing left in you. And you, you have to, you have, it's an oxygen mask theory. Like you have to put yourself, put your own mask on first. Um, and yeah, it's just, unfortunately, because you're such a high achiever and you want to help everyone, and I completely relate to wanting to get back to everyone, but you just have to set that boundary and, and, and trust that people will, will respect it. Yeah, exactly. And and ultimately, I think it's coming back to just being that bit easier on yourself and that bit gentler on yourself. Like, you can only do what you can do and you can only do your best. And you want to try your best at everything you do and put as much in. Ella, thank you so, so much for your time and everything you said here. It's fascinating hearing your story and I really appreciate it. And um, best of luck with, with the book and I can't wait to, to get it myself. And um, as best of luck with the rest of your pregnancy as well. So you're due in, oh, septem- due in September? Thank you. Yeah, end of September. So, but and you and, um, and I will make sure you have a copy of it to... Um, hopefully give you some 10 minute ideas when you're um, in the throes of those first few oh, months amazing. magic mad but magic yes because that's 10 minutes is about all you can hope to have anyway <laughs> yep, exactly oh thank you so much i really appreciate it and take care my pleasure thank you so bye. much no problem bye Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.